0: Would you mind standing with me in honor of God's word? We've got three passages, one from Joshua and then two from Judges this morning. Here we go. The people of Joseph said to Joshua, Why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We are a numerous people and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear land for yourselves. There in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephites. The people of Joseph replied, the hill country is not enough for us and all the Canaanites who live in the plain have chariots fitted with iron. Both those in Bethshan and its settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel. But Joshua said to the tribes of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, you are numerous and very powerful. You will have not only one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. Clear it, and its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron, and though they are strong, you can drive them out. And then over in Judges 8. Now the Ephraimites asked Gideon, why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when we went to fight when you went to fight Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. But he answered them, What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't the gleanings of Ephraim's grapes better than the full grape harvest of Abiezer?" God gave Orb and Zeb, the Midianite leaders, into your hands. What was I able to do compared to you? At this, their resentment against him. Subsided. And then Judges 12. The Ephraimite forces were called out and they crossed over to Zephon. They said to Jephthah, J- Japheth, Jephthah, I'm sorry, Why did you go to fight the Ammonites without calling us to go with you? We're going to burn your house over your head. Jephthah answered, I and my people were engaged in a great struggle with the Ammonites. And although I called, you didn't save me out of their hands. When I saw that you wouldn't help, I took my life in my hands and crossed over to fight the Ammonites. And the Lord gave me the victory over them. Now why have you come up today to fight me? Jephthah then called together the men of Gilead and fought against Ephraim the Gileadites struck them down because the Ephraimites had said, you Gileadites are renegades from Ephraim and Manasseh. The Gileadites captured the forge of the Jordan, leading to Ephraim, and whenever a survivor of Ephraim said, let me cross over, the men of Gilead asked him, are you an Ephraimite? If he replied, no, they said, all right, say Shibboleth. If he said "Sibeleth," because he could not pronounce the word correctly, they seized him and killed him at the fords of the Jordan. 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. Interesting text. Let's pray. (laughs) Lord, would you come as only you can and speak to each heart. Please, God, save us. Help us, lead us, not just so that we'll have a good day today, but so that we will have a good end. Help us today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The title of the message this morning is The Enemy of Entitlement. Point one is Ephraim's Privileges. Ephraim was the second son of Joseph. Joseph is, is the one that had gone into Egypt and he became very powerful. He was in prison, then he became very powerful and he had two sons. He had Manasseh and then he had Ephraim. Um, Gen- Genesis forty eight twenty. This is Jacob blessing the two sons of Joseph. He blessed them that day and said... In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Genesis forty-nine twenty-six. This is the, the final blessing of Jacob on his sons. This is on Joseph. Your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains, than the bounty of the age-old hills let all these rest on the head of Joseph on the brow of the prince among his brothers so the blessing that Jacob has received is unlike anybody else's blessing he's got the blessing of Abraham and Isaac has come down to him this is no ordinary blessing financially spiritually in in every way this is unbelievable blessing and favor that he is now passing on to his sons. And he says to Joseph, um, you're getting the lion's share of all of this. I'm giving you this favor. I'm giving you this blessing. And his firstborn son is Manasseh, but Jacob had turned it around and put Ephraim first. There was no one that had greater privilege than Ephraim. Oftentimes, Israel, uh, the northern kingdom, is simply called Ephraim. Because Ephraim was the top, Ephraim was first, Ephraim was the most blessed of all of Israel. On top of all of this, the leader of Ephraim is Joshua. Joshua. The, the guy that's leading all Israel is from their tribe. They, this is a very special tribe and a very special privilege to have your guy be the guy that's leading the whole thing. Having privilege, having favor, having blessing that you didn't work for is not evil. Evil. Doesn't make you evil. And being oppressed and not having blessing and not having favor does not make you virtuous. But with blessing and with favor comes a responsibility. Ephraim means fruitful. The calling of Ephraim is to take the favor and the blessing that is given them for them to use that blessing to serve humanity, to serve Israelites, to serve the whole world so that there will be fruitfulness from this trust that God has given to them a favor. The problem, of course, is when you have many privileges, and many things handed to you, it's easy, instead of being a servant that is fruitful, it's easy to become entitled. And entitlement blinds you. So I want to look at first, uh, and this is point two, what entitlement looks like. First, Entitlement expects to be blessed without having to work or fight. Ephraim is very aware of how blessed it is. And and so the tribe comes to Joshua. This is their guy. It's like, since we are so blessed and we're used to being blessed, why haven't you given us a bigger space? And Joshua's like, there's plenty of space here. But you're going to have to do some work. Clear the woods. Cut down the trees. There's plenty of room here. But you, you need to do something. And they're like, well, that's not going to be enough for us. We're very numerous. And he says, if you're so numerous, then kick the Canaanites out that are over there. And they're like, well, we, you know, that would, that would require work. I mean, they've got iron chariots. And hey, Listen. Use your favor and, 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 and don't be afraid of to work and to fight. It's very easy when things have come easy to expect everything to come easy and be unwilling to work or fight when God asks you to. What does entitlement look like? Secondly, it must be coddled. So here is the story in Gideon. So Gideon, the Midianites have this huge army of 135,000. And Gideon calls Israel together and there's only 32,000. And then God reduces it to 300 and everybody's just terrified. And, and But they go out and God brings this unbelievable victory and has all of the Midianites on the run and some of these kings, they go to the area of Ephraim. And so Ephraim um, kills these kings that were handed over in the, in the, in the fight. And, and then the, the leaders of Ephraim come to Joshua and they're really, really angry. They're like, why weren't we called? Why weren't we part of this? There's been this huge victory in Israel. They should be thanking him. They should be praising Gideon. And they're angry because they weren't first. And they weren't the ones that were doing the thing. And and so as entitlement is necessary, he coddles them. Instead of confronting their entitlement... He says, what, what did I do compared to you? You guys were amazing. You know, all we did is wipe out an army of 135,000. You killed these three kings. And, and, and you, you, you guys were amazing. You guys, what we did is nothing compared to what you did. Hmm. That's better. And, and then it says that their resentment subsided. Okay we won't split the church. We won't split all Israel because entitlement has to be coddled. It has to be made feel special. Let me, let me read to you from Third John. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Entitlement has to be first. They have to be the best. They have to, and if that is not the case, there's no one that I won't attack. There's no one that I won't bring down, that I won't lie about, including the apostle John. Are you kidding me? The apostle John? But that's just how entitlement works. It's, it's, you see it with little kids. Okay, the one kid brought the football to the game. And it's his, it's, it's his ball. And so we're all enjoying this football game. And pretty soon there's a question about something. And there's a little fight. And the kid that brought the football insists that it's going to be his way. And they're like, no, it's not that way. And he's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going home. And I'm taking my ball. And so he's got his little ball. And he's on his way home. And they go, oh, their kids chase him down because they realize the football game's over if he leaves. So we've got to coddle him. Okay. Okay, it was a touchdown. Okay, yeah, yeah, you and, 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 and entitlement learns that I, all I have to do is sh- threaten and be angry and, and, and create trouble, and I am going to um, be treated special. It's it's often hard to see entitlement on yourself. Entitlement is you've got gifts, you've got resources, you've got uh, education, you've got a position, and you've got these privileges and when you've had them a while, you start taking them for granted. It's It's hard to see them. And so my... My advice to you, if you're wondering how entitled you are, ask a friend. <laughs> when, when somebody is, is entitled, you have to tiptoe around them. You have to make sure everything is just so because they're going to be here. It's called high maintenance. We've got we've to make sure that everything is just so or they are going to be so early in our marriage. We were with another couple, and I don't know how we got on this topic and how they were asking about it, but it was something about us and how we relate. And I described myself to this couple as being kind of an easygoing, go-with-the-flow type of person. just kind of flexible and just, you know, whatever it is, I can just kind of fit into that and so then we're on the way home. We're driving in the car on the way home. And Alice said this, "Do you really think that?" <laughs> what? About yourself. Do you really think that's how you are? Aren't I? She says, I often find you inflexible and immovable. (laughs) And my response to that was, huh? (laughs) Huh. Sometimes we can't see ourselves. Entitlement that's not dealt with, gross, and eventually leads to death. So we see we see the entitlement starting right in Joshua. We are the blast we are do you, do you have any idea who we are we 're Ephraim and 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 we need this special treatment and no we don 't want to work and fight and, and, and Joshua says, "This is what you need to do and it turns out that they never did kick those Canaanites out. They just let them live there and whatever. But the point is this it just the entitlement keeps growing, and then we see it in with Gideon and Gideon. In Instead of confronting it, because he doesn't want there to be a split in Israel, because he doesn't want there to be a fight, he coddles them. And so this, okay, you do everything our way, and we'll be, well, okay, we'll, we'll, we're fine. And and then it just keeps growing. And then by the time of Jephthah, once again, Jephthah has this war against the Ammonites. And... Uh, and he gets done with the war and instead of coming in gratefulness, the Ephraimites come to him and say, how could you possibly treat this? They bring out their warring field. How could you treat like this? We are so angry. We, we. And Jephthah's like, what? What, what are you guys t- talking about? And he's like, why weren't we there? Why didn't you call us? Entitlement has to be first. It has to be best. It has to be recognized. Here's what Jephthah says to him. I did call you. I did call you. But it was inconvenient for you to serve at that time. It was inconvenient for you to fight. Everything wasn't perfect, so you didn't come. So then I took my life into my own hands, and we went, and we won this great victory. So what on earth are you guys doing? Well, they so then there's a civil war and 42,000 die because entitlement will eventually kill you. We see it in number 16. The sons of Korah have stirred up these leaders. There's 250 leaders uh, that, that, that come together and they're represented by Korah and Dothan and Abiram. And they come to um, Moses and they say, why do you think you're the only one that God speaks to? And how do you think you have all this authority? And you, got, you and Aaron think you're the, you're the thing. And Moses just falls on his face. He's like, are you kidding me? And then he says this, wasn't it enough that you were Levites? Not only are you God's people, but you're also Levites. You have all these special roles, but, th- but that's not enough. And now, y- you're going you're to talk this way? And God says, tell people to get away from, from Korah and Dothan and Abiram. And everybody who wants to join them, join them. And, and it, it's horrible. The, it's absolutely horrible. What, have the judgment of God comes. The ground opens up and, and swallows them. Entitlement un dealt with will eventually kill you. Entitlement is our enemy. So this is point three, last point. How do you stay free from the spirit of entitlement? First, be humble. This morning's one-year Bible reading, I, I do the one-year Bible um, was Luke 14 Jesus said when you go to a feast don't take the highest honored spot find the lowest spot at that feast aim for the lowest thing and then if, if, if people think you're more honorable then they will call you up and they will give you the special privilege but don't give it to yourself Last, when you're at the feast, somebody more honorable than you comes and they have to say, "Sir, could you would you mind moving down? We've got somebody else here." He said, "Whoever humbles himself will be exalted, but whoever exalts himself will be humbled." Be humble. Don't expect to be treated special. If you are treated special, then be gracious about that but but get that chip of entitlement off your shoulders Deuteronomy 8:11 through 17 be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands his laws And his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Moses tells them, that God's gift to them was the time in the wilderness. The time of difficulty. The time of pain. The time of manna where I can never get ahead. It's just like one day at a time. God provides, but I can't save anything. It is difficult. It is hard. He says that this was a time to humble you and test you. To, re, to refine you. And he gives the reason why. Why does God have to make it so difficult? Why does life have to be so hard? Why do I have to come through it? He, gives it? he gives the reason why. So that it will go well with you in the end. God's not just concerned about how your day is going. He's not just concerned about this week and this year. He sees the end. And he's preparing you. He's preparing us. So that when blessing and favor come, it doesn't destroy us. It's very, when you get into the promised land and you're not going to feel that sense of dependence anymore. Food is going to be abundant. You're going to have beautiful homes. You're going to have wealth. You're going to have silver and gold. And all of a sudden, you're going to feel less afraid of tomorrow. And in that time, it will be very easy for you if you don't remember the testing, if you don't remember the humility, it will be easy for you to say, I did this myself. This is due to my hard work. This is due to my cleverness. This is due to my strength. I got this. I got, I'm the one that gets credit for this. And, and you're setting yourself up then for destruction. I am so, so grateful for this building I pulled up about 7.40 this morning it's just so wonderful to have a church building in 2009 we uh we were going through a very, very tough, difficult time at Mad City Church. We were meeting in La Follette High School, and t- finances were so tight that we put a freeze on everything. And I had talked to two of the pastors that we had just hired on most recently and said, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to keep you on. And, and, and so we figured out a way. If we, we, were, we were meeting in the auditorium at La Follette, and it was a really cool place. The seating was all there, and... and uh, And we were meeting in two services, but we figured out um, if we only met in one service and we did it in the gym, um, we could save a ton of money and we could if we freeze everything, and we, we could keep these pastors on. And so we decided to do that. And so we moved over to the gymnasium and have one big service. And, and the pastoral staff, everybody had extra duties. We, we were already unloading this 18-wheeler early every Sunday morning. Now we've got to put up the pipe and drape. We've got to basically remodel the gym to make it look okay. Well, my my job was to set up... Uh, We had the bleachers, but I had to set up 400 of these red plastic chairs. Does anybody remember those red plastic chairs? These chairs were horrible. They were in the youth center after when we came here for a while. Um, And I have no idea why it strikes me as funny, but in remembering it, about once a month, we'd be in the middle of the service. It could be during preaching or just any random time. All of a sudden, you would hear boom! And it meant one of the chairs had collapsed. And somebody was on the floor. And we're praying that a lawsuit is not filed against us. But, I mean, that's how bad these chairs were. And uh, so I was in charge of setting these up. That was my job. 400 chairs. And the hardest chair to set up was that first chair. It's early, early Sunday morning. We pull in these racks of chairs, and everybody goes. Everybody helped pull the racks in, but now they all scatter, and it's me with these chairs. And I would take that first chair, knowing that there's 399 left, and oftentimes I would, put, I would unfold that first chair, and I'd say, Jesus, you're worthy. You're worthy of me setting up this chair. You died on a cross for me, and we're doing, this is all about you. This is all for you. You are worthy. You're worthy of putting these chairs up. And, and, and peop, different people help me at different times. And, um, but, but guys, you have no idea how wonderful it is to come to a church where the chairs are already set up. <laughs> where we're not getting up early. We couldn't have altar time. Here we are, this, this Holy Spirit come to the altar church that can't have altar calls. We had to be out. We, we, had, to, we had to load everything up. It was my job to fold up the 400 chairs. We'd, we'd get a lot of people to help us. I remember Lee Austin. I loved Lee. Lee is with the Lord now. Lee wanted to talk to me after services. And Lee had a lot to say. And he would come and he said, I'm like, Lee, let's fold up chairs while you talk to me. And, and so he would, and sure enough, he would help me. And he'd, we'd chat together. We'd, we'd push, push him back out. And guys, it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful to have a building. I never want to forget that time. I, want, I never want to forget what it is like to have, to not have a building, and now to have a building. We, uh, when we put the two churches together, um, we were in major debt. And this 2019 November, we paid off all of the debt, so we're debt-free now. And, um... <laughs> but I, 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 never, I never want to forget what it was like. We, we, in 2011, we didn't know if we were going to lose all of these buildings. We were having trouble paying our bills. I remember one Sunday, there was a very low offering, and I... I did the math and I brought our staff together. I said, you know, I'm kind of the one that initiated this thing. So I'm not, we're no, I'm not looking at anybody getting laid off, but we're, we may all have to get part-time jobs. To, to, that, that was just where we were. And uh, I never want to forget that. I never want to forget that time so that we can recognize what the Lord has done. This last week we ordered new carpet and this this theater seating. We're, all of our pews are going to go to another church somewhere, and and in sometime this summer we will have all this new stuff. And I don't ever want us to get it in our minds that this was because of something we did, because we were clever or we were the. No, no, God, God has poured out a blessing. And, and let's let's never let's never get that in our spirit. Now I realize that many of you right now are in the middle of the wilderness. It's hard. It's difficult. There are prayers that have gone unanswered. There are things you have been waiting for for a long time. Let's just remember that might be part of the reason why you're even at church is because of the wilderness because if everything was going good and everything was easy, you might not even be here. So God has used the wilderness to bring you to himself. And I just want to encourage you while you're in the wilderness, especially if you're asking the question, does God even love me? Has God heard my prayer? Does God love me? Listen, God loves you so much that he wants us to be well with you in the end, not just this week. Not that you just get what you want, but that you would make it in the end. That is the love of God. He can see everything clearly. And so instead of resisting him in our tests, let's let entitlement get broken off of us. (laughs) And let's cling to him and develop that relationship that's strong enough to sustain being blessed. Because scripturally, it's easier to serve God in your trials than in your successes. Secondly, so, so be humble. Second, be a servant. Luke chapter 12, 41 through 48. Peter asks, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming, and he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows, but the one who does not know and does things deserving punish will punishment will be beaten with few blows from everyone who has been given much much will be demanded and from the one who has been entrusted with much much more will be asked i want to i want to just point out a few things in this passage the first one is what peter says to the lord the lord had just given this Uh, He was talking about the end times, and 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 he's saying, keep your lamps burning. I'm coming at a time that you don't know. You need to live ready and keep your lamps burning. And then Peter does what we often do is he says, "Who, who is this for? You know, because my spouse really needs to hear this. Or I've got some friends and I, I think I'm going to get the CD and I'm going to mail it to all my kids because they needed to hear this message. I wish they had been here today because this was for them. And he's like, who does this apply to? This, you know, who is this for everybody? Is this also apply to us? And, and here's what Jesus says to him. To the manager that the master has put in charge, Blessed is that servant if when the master comes back, he's doing what the master told him to do. Jesus had just put Peter in charge of everybody. He had just said, Peter had said, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he says, Peter, I'm putting you in charge. And so Jesus takes it out of the general. He says, let me apply it to you, Peter. This is for you. Let me give you a specific warning. Because I love you. And you don't need to worry about who else it applies to. Because this is for you, Peter. We need to be very, very careful, folks, when we hear the word of God. It's so, e- oh boy, I wish that so-and-so was here. Oh boy, boy, oh, if America would just do this. God's not speaking to America, he's speaking to you. We, we need to apply it to ourselves. We need to say, God, how, how do you want to change me with this word? The second thing I want you to notice in this passage is this servant who God has put in charge is faithful for a while. He doesn't start out beating the others. He doesn't start out being getting drunk. He starts out faithful. He starts out doing what God had called him to do. And then life happened. And maybe he got hurt. And maybe he got bored. And maybe he got tired. And maybe he found it unfulfilling. And, 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 And something changed. And then he realized, hmm, I have got this position over other people and I can use it however I want to. And so he uses that position to start beating the other servants. Start manipulating. Start whatever. He starts using his position instead of doing what he's supposed to be doing. He starts going out partying. It's all about him. Starts getting drunk. Starts just, just it's going to be about me now. And in the end, he doesn't make it, does he? The master comes back and, and it's a failure. My heart has been very, very gripped and troubled with any Christian leaders that fall. But most recent, um, there's the story of Ravi Zacharias and Carl Lentz. Ravi Zacharias, great, great, great success story rises out of nothing, becomes brilliant and educated and becomes the voice of evangelical Christianity really to the world about apologetics and, and travels all over the world and thousands. And it is a amazing success story of the anointing of God, the favor of God, and how God can take somebody wherever they are and raise them up and use them in such amazing ways and on TV and radio and, and, and everywhere he went, Thousands would come. It was just a great success story. But then life happened. We don't know exactly when the fall started or how the fall started, but we know after he died, it all came out that he was using his position to manipulate women for sex and for sex acts and just horrible Horrible things. Carl Lentz, another amazing story, grew up in in Australia and w- was uh, raised up by Brian Houston to be a Hillsong pastor someday. and And he moves to New York and he starts this church that that becomes. Uh, tens of thousands and all the celebrities go there and 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 it, success, success, success and anybody looking is like isn't God amazing and God's even reaching all these celebrities with the gospel and isn't this great and Carl Lance anointed, blessed, used by God and then it turns out and, and after his fall one of the One of the reporters that reported on it said he was the pastor to celebrities and then he became a celebrity himself. And all of a sudden, everything changed and he had to be treated special and he had to... He had to he came, arrived in a limousine to the back door and could only be, couldn't be seen by regular people and the front two rows regular people couldn't sit in the front two rows those were for VIPs and only and it became all about this and and then the stories came out about it, it, drunkenness and partying and then he, it, he had this immoral relationship with somebody and Da, da. it all came out and Christians. Read those stories or hear those stories and they say, how could this happen? Pastors never ask, how could this happen? Pastors never ask that. Pastors understand how it can happen. How you can be faithful and you can do what God wants you to do and you can do it, but you, but, but you have to keep doing it. And you get hurt And you easily can become entitled. You become successful. You can say, I'm doing so much and da-da-da-da-da. And you can start playing above the rules. And and, and I read a story like that and all, all I say is, God, please protect me. Protect me, God. It's why, we, why I have a prayer shield. They pray for us every month. Alice and I meet we, for, for an hour with this group of people. They just tell us, ask us what's going on. And they, they pray for us. They pray for our family. But they don't just pray for that hour on that once a month. But they pray for us all month. And they tell us what God's speaking. And da-da-da-da. It's a protection. And I know people all over this church are praying for me and praying for the staff um, that we will be faithful. continue to be faithful. But Jesus gave these words that are really, really important. If you have served for a long time, if you've given a lot, if you've sacrificed a lot for Jesus, Jesus gave these words to us to protect us. It's in Luke chapter 17. He says the kingdom of God is like this servant that goes out into a field and he works all day long. And when he comes in from working all day long, the master doesn't say, Now you poor thing, you sit down and I, I'll I'll take No. He says, when he comes in, the master sits down and the servant prepares the meal. And then after he's worked all day long, after he's served the master as you, then he says this I'm an undeserving servant. I've only done what was required. And Jesus looks at his disciples and I can imagine with fire in his eyes and says, After you've done everything everything God told you to do. You need to say this to yourself. I'm an undeserving servant. I've only done. I've only obeyed God. Don't let entitlement get into your spirit because it will destroy you. And then lastly, be generous. Paul in 1 Timothy six seventeen 17-19 says... life to those who are rich to those who have been given either financial resources or spiritual gifts or or position of authority or whatever however you are rich he doesn't say let them feel guilty for having that let them be ashamed for having it that's not what he says god's not into guilt or shame He says, let let them trust God and be grateful to God who gives us all these things for our enjoyment. Recognize that God is the provider, that I didn't provide for myself, but God has given me these things for my enjoyment. And then he says, let them be generous. Let them develop a generous spirit. Let them share. Let them do good deeds. Let them lay up for themselves eternal treasure. Because guys, this is how heaven measures things. A living is what you get. But your your life is what you give. This is this is it's called fruitfulness. God said to Abraham, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna bless you, and I'm gonna make you a blessing. Jesus says, Freely you have received. Now freely give. We, uh, in 2016, we had a, 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 during our prophetic week, in 24 hours, three different people said they saw that wall come down and that God was going to expand this building, this place, and and there was a lot of excitement around that, and um that's a non-bearing wall so we could, we could expand in some way. And I don't know if that wall is ever going to come down physically, but I know this, that spiritually God wants that wall down now. God has blessed this church in so many ways with so many resources with so many gifts that he wants us to be a blessing to other churches to the world to this region he wants us to be a blessing to the to missions he wants the blessing to flow from this place and not us just hold on to the ways that he has blessed us so uh so Thursday morning, I'm I'm at with one of our men. We're having breakfast at Denny's, and um, he uh, he makes the mistake of asking me about Sunday sermon. And you touch that button, and all of a sudden, I will. I'm I'm in the middle of it. I'm it's burning in me. So I just start sharing what I'm going to share, and I get to this point and. And just about God wanting our life to be generous, and, and that, that He's generous, He wants us to be generous. And, and, and all of a sudden this, this we're, we're in a booth, so we can't see anybody, but this black man comes around, older black man comes around the corner, and he says, he's just like, "You're preaching good." This this is what we need. This is the message that God wants to have. He said, He says, This this touches me. And and I ask his name and he gives us his name. I said, Could we pray for him? And so he comes up and we get have a little church there and Danny said, I thought that would be the end of it. (laughs) So we go back to chatting. We're about ready to go. And and he comes back around the corner and he puts four dollars on the table. And he says, This is part of my tithe. He said, This is for your tip. He said, he said I, I, want you to, I want you to know what happened while you were sharing. He said, something went through me. He said, something went through me and I can't, I can't let it go. Something went through me. And, and he wanted to be the first one that was generous. The first one that was letting the blessing flow. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. The story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Scholars call it the gospel within the gospel. That the essence of all of the gospel is in this little story. And here's how the story begins. The younger son, the younger son says, Father, give me, give me what is mine. There's, there's something about this son that he's not happy. It's not enough. I don't like my life here. I feel constrained by the rules, whatever. And then he asks the unthinkable. He says, Father, here's what he's in essence saying. I want what you have more than I want you. And so I want the inheritance that would be mine when you die. I want it now. And then the, the most troubling part of the whole thing is that the father honors this request. And he sells off half of his stuff and gives his money what he's requested. He gives the son what, what he has requested. And this is one of the biggest offenses that the world has with God. Why are you letting people... Take their gifts, their money, their resources, their breath, and why are you letting take it and use it however they want to do? And they're oppressing others, and they're enslaving others, and they're doing horrible things. And why, God, why are you allowing this world to, to work the way it, it, it's working? And it, this, is, this is what the Father has done is he's let us be free he's let us take what what we want and instead of use it for him and use it in his service and use it for his purposes he's let us take our lives and use it however we want to and so he goes out and he squanders Everything he's been given, all the privilege he's been given, all the resources, he squanders it in loose living, and his friends uh, all leave him once he's out of money. And and at that point, he could have come home, but he didn't. And this is an astonishing thing about entitlement. Proverbs 19.3 says this, A man's own foolishness ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. I thought God was good. I thought God loved me. I thought God, you, you God, 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 look at my life. My life's a disaster. And anybody looking on says, dude, that wasn't God's fault. You did that. You got yourself into that mess. Why are you blaming God? Why are you mad at God? Why should God make everything work out for you when you don't even serve him and believe in him and love him? What, and you want God to now serve you and you're not serving him and, and now you're angry? And it's amazing how entitlement can work that I deserve something better. But then he goes off and he gets another job with a pig farmer. And, and he's working for such a low wage that the pig's food starts looking good to him. And, and the Bible says that he comes to his senses and he says, mm, this is on me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to return to my father. And I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned. Against you. I've sinned against heaven. Make me whatever you want me to be. The give me has changed to make me. And guys, the emotion of God, the emotion of the gospel is wrapped up in what happens when that son comes home in humility and repentance. It's astonishing. The Bible says that when the father saw him, he, he ran. When he was still far off, the father had been looking for him to come home. When he was still far off, the father started running. And he picked him up and he grabbed him and he hugged him. Father, make me whatever you want to make me. Let me tell you what he wants to make you. Let me tell you, if God gets to make you whatever you want, what he wants to do, let me tell you what he wants to do. He says, kill the fattened calf. I want a party. The one that was lost has been found. The one that was dead has come alive again. He said, put a ringer, a ring on his finger. This was a restoral of sonship. This was the authority of the family. He said, I want sandals on his feet. That was how you shamed somebody in that culture. You made them walk barefoot. And he said, I want the shame off. I want the shame of his own sin off of him. He says, I want you to get the best robe. Obviously one from his own closet. And I want you to put it on him. This is the gospel within the gospel. This is why Jesus died on a cross. God wants to welcome sinners home. He wants to make them favored sons and daughters. He wants to put the best robe, his own righteousness on us. It doesn't matter that your righteousness is filthy. He's gonna give you his righteousness. And he wants to wipe away the shame so that you and I can walk with Him and before Him every day. Would you stand with me please? We're going to do this song and we'll have one last prayer. So, uh, if you wouldn't mind just bowing your head for a moment. Maybe you're the one that's been away from God. You've been the one that's doing it your own way, doing your own thing and today you want to come home and you want to say, Father, make me Forgive me. I've sinned. I want to repent. I want to come home. Lord, in Jesus' name, would you put your arms around each one that's like this? Would you welcome them in your loving embrace? Please, God. maybe you're here and you're the one in the wilderness life has been very very hard and very difficult and you've wondered if God loves you and he has a word for you today I love you I am with you the wilderness isn't going to be forever I've got great plans for you Lord would you help give grace would you help each one in the wilderness to lay down their offense of how hard their life is right now. And would you give them just a new strength to trust you? And then God, I pray for this last group that the time that their hearts burned is in the past and now it's more entitlement and they find themselves doing stuff they never would have done when they were a young Christian. Giving themselves license to do stuff that they shouldn't be doing and comforting themselves that this is fine. I, I give to the church or I serve a church or I'm, I'm this or I'm that. God, please, please, would you give the, release the fear of the Lord in our hearts, God? Lord, we want to tend our lamps. We want to come back to burning, every one of us, God. We want to have burning, shining lamps that are serving when you return. Help us, God. We pray. And Father, I pray for City Church. I pray that I believe we're being tested right now with all of the blessings that you have poured out, and you, you want to see—is this it? Are we just gonna—is it just gonna be us? Or are we going to knock that wall down? And, and purpose to, to bring blessing wherever we go. Father, thank you that you've blessed us. Now make us a blessing, we pray, to other churches, to the lost in this region. And Father, everywhere you send us, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.